Welcome to the Revelation On Demand podcast, the only eschatology podcast that I know of done by amateur theologians only interested in what the Bible has to say about the end times. I'm your host, J.D. Myers, and my co-host is Mr. Hess, as usual. Thank you so much for listening. So how are you today, Mr. Hess? I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a challenging week for me, and um, this is always a major relief when I get to you know, share the Word of God once every couple of weeks on the podcast. Not that I don't residually do that, of course. Yeah, yeah, I definitely like this podcast and I enjoy doing it. So I hope that this continues on and I'm really glad that you could join me this morning. So uh, we're going to go into what's going on in the world and uh, what's going on is with the COVID-19 is that they are now pushing forward on vaccines and some of these vaccines are being produced and researched with uh, fetus cells that have been harvested from abortions. Now, uh, as Christians, this is kind of a tough subject for us, and, and we need to figure out where we're standing on this, because when you start digging into it, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that they are still using aborted fetus cells when there are other means that they could be harvesting, as I'll when I tell you about the companies who are producing with fetus cell or abortion fetus cells and the ones who are more ethically sourcing their cells, you'll kind of understand why it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that we still do this. But apparently about 30 years ago, there was several abortions that were harvested for uh, stem cells. And the great thing about uh, stem cells at that age of human is that they are very clean. They don't have the genetic defects that can be found in adult cells and uh, they can be used to replicate for a long time so some of these samples were taken 20 to 30 years ago and they 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 keep these cell lines growing because it's easier to keep cells alive than human tissue or than human bodies alive so and they just culture these these cells to use them in research and or production of vaccine because there's uh they use they need the cell to deliver the vaccine i think so um the producers who are using aborted fetus cell lines are moderna oxford university or astrazeneca cancino biologics or the beijing institute of biotechnology and envio pharmaceuticals and additionally jansen pharmaceutical division and Johnson and Johnson are also using them, and I believe they're using them in the production phase, not just the research phase. And then there is several companies. So when vaccines do come out, you need to be looking at these companies. Hopefully, they get you know passed, and we'll have an option. And some of these other companies have also agreed to try and produce non or more ethically sourced cells vaccines. So we'll see. We need to. Uh, these companies who are using ethically sourced cells are Novavax, Sanofi Pasteur, GlaxoSmithKline, or GSK, and Sinovac. So when it comes time to get your vaccines, it's something that we need to take stock of as Christians. And I wanted you guys to know so that you had a chance to look into it yourself. And this is a rabbit hole. You start looking into this you start finding out some of the vaccines you may have already taken have been produced in this way. So it's just something we need to sit as Christians and 
talk about with God. You want to add? You anything? said the production phase. I'm sorry, not to interrupt you or take a step back, but you said the actual, not just the research phase. You know, the research thing being one thing where they take a controlled environment and test this out, um, depending on your ethics. And of course, um, us as Christians, you know, we have moral value when it comes to that. Um, but in the actual production phase, so you're saying that some of the, you know, all some of the source virus that, um, if you don't know how to vaccine, uh, how the vaccine works, basically they take a virus, they eliminate it, but they keep um, the actual bodies of the virus within what with ever like a like serum or something like that and they eject that into you so your body learns how to read the virus and it's safe because that virus isn't alive anymore right uh yeah they have dead viruses and live virus vaccines and live virus vaccines they usually do something to weaken the virus so that your body will have a much better time destroying it and i believe that the stem cells are being used in the production phase to produce that serum so either they are using the cells as hosts or as a way to graph the vaccine in a way that your body will respond to it correctly so yeah that's and, intense you gotta and, wonder yeah no and just like because someone will try and correct this, they'll be like, but it's not the same cell. Yeah, it's not. Okay, fine. But the original culture of cells came from these aborted fetuses about 20 to 30 years ago, and they've been kept alive and reproducing all these years for research purposes and vaccine production purposes. Yeah, go figure. That's yeah, it's, awful. It is awful, but I wanted everyone of our listeners to know about this so they're aware when it comes time because I am, you know, all for vaccines and it's important to get your vaccines for the community because that helps your herd immunity. So, but we need to be aware of what kind of vaccines we're taking into our bodies and what we are, you know, permissing as for what we do, you know. And another right, thing, yeah. And another thing I wanted to say is uh, go vote. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I have made up my mind pretty much already. I still have to go through my ballot and do all the, you know, responsible voter things of reading all the stuff and making sure I'm not voting the wrong way. I look so forward to that because there's a ton of things on the Colorado Constitution that are being amended or changed or whatever. But, uh, Constantly. Yeah, no. So Romans 13 says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authorities is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So pretty much, whoever wins this election, God is going to have deemed it necessary. So, I mean, whatever that says to you about you know, who who wins and who loses, whether God is in favor of us or not. Uh, I'm not going to say too much on that either way. Just it, you need to go out and vote the way you, God wants you to vote. So I guess if God tells you not to vote, that's you doing what God wants you to do, I guess. <laughs> um, okay, so yes, I'm a voter. Um Oh, I won't get too much into it, but uh, actually, God has put my mind at rest with um, a certain ballot, and I go undecided on that, but I do still vote. 
Alright, shall we tell people what happened last episode? Yes, sir. So that we can get on track here. Yeah. We are on track. We're doing great. Um, okay, so what happened last episode? We've been going through a series of trumpets over, like, chapter 8. And now, uh, everything so far in Revelation that we've read is a continuation of one, debatably two things. And this is John's uh, Patmos, um, the John that's in exile, who's met Jesus so far. Follow me here with this. He's witnessing these events in heaven, so that way, through his body actually being transported in heaven and now he's seen the throne room of god and these angels are in coercion with these certain actions to actually bring judgment on the earth with god does that make sense so anyway we would go through a series of trumpets which are known as um one of the world ending factors uh the apocalyptic ending you know, factors. And basically we went through one through four in chapter eight. Last episode we did five and six. There's supposed to be seven trumpets. Well, go figure. We did the last two of the three that we're going to be going over mostly today. I don't think we have to review most. Uh, I don't think we have to review too much on the last two, but I will for you. And on the fifth trumpet, an angel came down and released a locust, or debatable, demon army that could torment people. An actual, you know, um, maw of these demonic or evil locusts, uh, which we took into interpretation to be actual demons that are just going to be so sublime and so, uh, you know, torrential torrential that they're going to be like you know not only decaying the earth but they're going to be destroying everything right yeah, sixth trumpet the, yeah the fifth trumpet was more of just tormenting the earth the sixth trumpet is when they start destroying things oh okay for sure thank you for reminding me yep. six is when the bad angels are released to bring forth the largest army ever seen that kills a third of the earth oh, okay yes i remember that now right yeah, it's two distinct demon armies. One, the, the first wave torments the earth, and then the second wave destroys people. And these bad angels are um, what, what we're led to believe, and what has been quoted in the Bible ever since the very beginning, as the angels who defected with Satan. formerly Lucifer, yeah. now Satan, and um, these bad angels have, you know, they have a lot of experience. They're in the hierarchy of the Hell's Army, and they're going to bring together a large amount of what, whatever the case may be, souls, people, but mostly demonic souls that are going to be killing a third of the Earth. But these angels are much more capable, so they could probably... Anyway, not to derail with that... <laughs> You, you start to get thinking a lot about this. I definitely do recommend catching up with Revelation so far if you haven't yet. Uh, there are still men who stubbornly refuse to see the error of their ways. Even after a third of the planet being killed off and everything going to hell on Earth, there was still there is still going to be 
men who don't see the problem with themselves that they could be you know god has given them the opportunity to be saved throughout all this right yeah. and they they don't care yeah and then uh so moving on from that uh i missed this last episode quote unquote it was supposed to be in the mist from last episode and last episode so this is actually a throwback to episode eight we were, we were talking about wormwood it's a toxic plant that we use today to make absinthe and it has some med- medicinal benefits uh, when it's used in moderation but too much is deadly and also bitter so it's kind of interesting that this this that star called wormwood is the same is named after this the plant that causes water to be bitter and again if there's too much of it in the water it'll make it uh, bitter and deadly so definitely an interesting note that caught my eye and I was looking up how they made absinthe and I was like oh look wormwood you know and I was like connections Uh, (laughs) right yeah Yeah. Um, and a while back in middle school I had a Christian science teacher when I went to a a Christian program school. So I, I could always ask them sometime. <laughs> Where, so, where's the correlation? Yeah, right, right. Uh, there was something that God wanted me to share before we begin, and this is from the Olivet Discourse uh, that Jesus was giving to the people about the end times. And I'm going to read this, and I skipped two lines, so I'm sorry for anyone who that irritates, because it irritated me, but I did this a while ago, and I forgot why I skipped those two lines. So, uh, Jesus, uh, this is Matthew 24, 4 through 7, and 9 through 14. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming, I am Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumor of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith, and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the world, the whole world, as testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So I think God really put this on me because I wanted to remind myself more than anything about what we're doing here, and that is we are trying to steel man our faith in the coming turbulence. So we may not be at the end of the world yet, but it is coming eventually, and we need to take this time now to strengthen our faith to the point that when the terrible tribulation comes, if we are alive during that, or the ones who we love are alive during that, we have done everything we can to strengthen our faith so that they or us will make it through tribulation. Uh Uh-huh. And a big thing for uh, JD here is, you know, influencing others. And I feel like, you know, being able to save or protect someone is a huge duty in in a man's life, in a Christian man's life, um, instead of to destroy, but to preserve. And that um, 
going based off of like the last section, what he was just covering really can, can attest to a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that I, I just have this overwhelming feeling that as bad as 2020 has been, there is worse to come. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know what, but it's, we're not, we have not seen the worst yet. So stay strong, Christian soldier. Let's, let's carry our crosses together. Would you like to read scripture for us, please? Yes. So we are starting today on Revelations chapter 10. This is episode 10. We do a, a chapter for every episode. Um, okay. So why don't we get this guy out of the way? No, I'm just kidding. This is, this is some good stuff, actually. So, um, okay. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun, and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll, which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and the left foot on the land, and he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke, and when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the, her- the earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it, and said, There will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me once more, Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, You must prophesize, or you must, you must make prophecy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Short but powerful chunk of scripture there. I, I, I'm constantly reminded that I love Revelation so much. It's just one of my favorite books. So uh, let me gather my thoughts here as I, as I remember what we needed to talk about. So there's a pause to build up tension could have been the same pause as during the seven seals. We had this break in one of the chapters between the sixth and the seventh seal. So here we could be having the same kind of pause. It could be the same pause, you know, from the seals. As I've said before, when you read these, the seven or the three sevens, they kind of seem to overlap at certain points and make you think maybe they're happening at the same time. So in the angel that stands on 
the land and sea. This is possibly Jesus. Uh, there's no clear connection, or it could be one of the archangel angels like Michael or one of the other ones we talked about before. And the rainbow is a reminder of God's promise after the flood. Uh, and it also happens to be what happens when sunlight shines through clouds. So his head was wreathed in clouds and he's coming down from heaven. So this could just be an effect of that. But since nothing is accidental, it's also God reminding whoever sees this, hey, I'm not going to destroy humankind completely. He's going to save some of us. So, And then that little book, uh, not a lot is known about this because, of course, he was told not to write about what he heard. So we don't know but what this is, but it's probably instructions for the angel on what to bring down on the earth, like what kind of judgment. This could be God's, you know, final judgment on the earth, because often judges would uh, write little scrolls to uh, commit the sentencing of whatever they're judging at the time. And so, in the land and sea... Uh, well, question, well, question about this ahead. little book, when you, when, you, um, when you jotted it down as a little book, are you talking about, like, his personal notes? Or you're talking about the actual scroll in which he was instructed to eat? Uh, this is the same thing. Uh, here in a little bit, he instructs, well, he tells John to go and take the scroll and eat it. Uh, but it is also, it's most likely the instruction of what the angel is doing. So the angel's already read it. The angel knows what he needs to do. So he's, as we will get into this in a minute, he's giving okay. the book to John so that he can go prophesy. So... Anyways, the angel stands on the land and sea because he's given been given authority by God over all of creation. So land is often characterized as order, and sea is often characterized as chaos. So he has authority over all order and chaos. So he's he's getting pretty much like the like a little G God powers here. He's he's being the angel of God. And the voice of the Lord it's interesting because in Psalms twenty nine three, there's it talks about the voice of the Lord, and we just heard about the thunders and whatnot. And the voice of the Lord, eh, I want to read the Psalms here. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Siron like young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes deer give birth and strips the forest bare. In his temple, everyone says glory. And I believe it says voice of the Lord seven times there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yes. So it it's just when it's talking about this, this thunderous voice is talking about the voice that in Psalms here is describing what that power has over all of creation. And this is just trying to imagine what kind of, what this sounds like a big booming voice and unfortunately we weren't allowed to hear what this big booming voice had to say because there are still things that need to remain a mystery much like if you go through the old testament and you're reading about the coming messiah the reason why jews were so confused about jesus coming was because 
the book, the Old Testament, very rarely talked about exactly how the Messiah was going to be coming into this world and treated. And much of that was to keep the darker powers of the world from frustrating God's plans. Not that they could, even if they wanted to, because they're not more powerful than him, but say in the Old Testament it said that he will be hung on a cross and sacrificed, then the demons would not would have tried to stop that from happening when they recognized Jesus. Whereas most of the demons thought he was coming as a warlord this time. And what's interesting is that the Messiah that the Old Testament talks about is talking more about the second coming of Jesus than the first coming. There is some mentions about the first coming of Jesus. And if you do a deep dive and study, you can connect certain things that definitely point to Jesus being that first Messiah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Torah... Um, otherwise known as uh, we have the Old Testament, but they have the Torah, which has added and deducted reasoning. I would say in that book. Yeah, but the, uh, way, the way it speaks, it speaks more of the warlord, which, as we have found, is actually talking about you know the second coming of Jesus. Fair enough, and yeah, I think that's also to in certain. It, it, if you want to put it into perspective, when all of this is being accounted for, a lot of people don't want the presence of a false prophet. They want a strong, um, very prominent force in the world that's going to be uh, the defining factor where no one will be, uh, you know, no one's turned down from him, but no one's confused on how powerful this guy is, right? Right, right. And as we said earlier, I don't remember, it was like chapter 5 or something like that. When the Lord comes, when Jesus comes again, we will definitely know it. it there will be no question. So when the false Messiah comes, the, the Antichrist, when he comes, there will be a chance for most people to doubt that, that he is the Messiah. So, you know, there will be some questionable, but even... Even the demons during Jesus' first time, you know, walking the earth, they recognized him. They recognized him as Jesus Messiah. They recognized him as Jesus Son of God. So when when he comes the second time, there will be no question. We will look at him and you'll just know, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to be the first one after doing all the revelation study that we're going to be doing is, you know, a close friend or family member is going to be like, are you like, have you heard of, have you heard that Jesus came back and that, you know, this new Messiah or, you know, I'll know, I'll recognize the first, um, the first Messiah, quote unquote, to be the, the antichrist. And they're going to be like, but Jesus came back. No, it's all good. Now we can do whatever we want. That's what he says. You know, all these ways that he misleads people, which we'll get into later. And I'll yeah. just be like, nope. Uh, that's not him yet. Yeah, I I think what's really going to happen is there's going to be like a jester sort of messiah that comes up, and then the antichrist will come up. So he has you know plausible deniability. He's like, oh, this guy is the one who said he was the messiah, but he's the antichrist, so I'm actually Christ. You know, so I think that's probably what's going to happen. And then, of course, Jesus will come during tribulation and put an end to it all so we just need to wait until the end comes that's and stay faithful to christ no matter what 
a faith faith is the key is really the the driving point with that yeah so when the angel says there will be no delay this is the the end time this is the culmination of all things so this is where most people think that the seventh seal the seventh uh trumpet and the seventh bowl are happening at roughly the same time so we get into the mystery uh, in the Bible is something no one can know unless it was revealed to them. So this this book, it's going on about this mystery. Uh, we don't need to know this, and part of this needs to keep us humble so that when we are talking about eschatology and what the book has to say about the end of the world, we need to stay humble in our, our assertions and what we're thinking and this this mystery is the end of a great age and once this mystery has come to pass we will know everything so all all questions shall be answered at the end of this age so it's one of those things what what questions the first question you're going to ask god when you get to heaven sort of thing uh i don't think we'll really need to ask any questions when we get to heaven i think it'll all be kind of laid out to us we'll be we'll know all the answers to our worldly questions especially you know the ones that are tough to answer i mean we have good answers to some of them like why does god allow evil and why does god allow innocence to die and stuff like that but i think when we get to heaven they will all be finally answered and of course when the end times end and the recreation begins all will be answered so i'll serve you my lord yes yes so the commission. Uh, John takes the scroll and eats it. This is uh, this is like the prophet Ezekiel back in his book, where he ate a similar scroll of Revelation in in the throne room. And this this idea of ingesting the scroll is God giving His words to the prophet so that the prophet can speak from authority for God in this world. So going back to that book, this is God's. Uh, plan for the end times so this is what he's telling john to go out and prophesy and is probably part of the reason why we even have the book of revelation because john was like well i can talk about this a lot or i can write this down so that it makes it into a book that you know two thousand years later to chumps who know almost nothing about theology can you know talk about it on a bi-weekly basis on their podcast. I'm totally thinking that's what John was thinking. <laughs> Eschatologists, no less. Uh, yeah, but uh, he, he wrote this down. I think this is the part where we where it's telling us that John is going to write this book. And we he's told to take the book, but John doesn't have to take the book. Uh this is very much the same thing when God tells us to do something. We have a decision whether we're going to do it or not. And it was kind of interesting. I, I This came to mind last night when I was on a hangout with the Christian uh, podcast group that I'm part of. And we were talking about how animals are closer to God's creation. So when God tells an animal to do something, it just does it. Such as, you know, the lion's not eating Judah or all sorts of times when animals do crazy things like the speaking donkey for instance in uh oh i don't remember where that was but oh 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 um uh, okay i got this it's okay yes that that is later on in the old testament 
and it's uh, about the guy who is given a prophecy from God, and he starts getting frustrated when an angel blocks his path, and yeah. he blames it on the donkey, and the donkey is like, "You will die." But you don't see that. Yeah, well, I mean that too. But he's like, "What? what you don't see the angel standing in front of you, trying to tell you not to do what you're doing? You know, selling yourself out and becoming yeah. a prophet for evil, yeah. even though God gave you this gift." Anyway, oh, yeah, yes. But- it was kind of interesting that, you know, animals do as God commands immediately because they don't have free will. When God commands us to do something, we have to decide whether we're going to do it or not. And that's often where, you know, the enemy can come in and frustrate what God wants us to do by putting fears and doubts and all these things in us that can really eat away at us. So we have to be you know, aware of those things and, and always looking out for that. So, and uh, the literal eating is is another symbol of we need to be feeding our souls with the gospel. So if you don't have a Bible reading plan of some sort, then I really encourage you to go get one because it it's a way for God to speak directly to you. And it's it's wonderful. I do it every morning most of the time before I start work or right at the beginning of work since I listen to most things because of my job I can listen to hours of podcasts but that's that's beside the point now the bitter sweetness um so it tastes sweet and then it makes the stomach bitter and often we get this when we are reading scripture there's there's often times that we we read something we're like yeah right exactly that's how i feel and that's that's god's justice and that's the way it's supposed to be and then there's other times when we're reading and it's just like oh i don't know if i like that uh can i maybe skip this you know and then we get this we, we get convicted and we need to take both the times when we are we feel empowered by what we're reading and when we feel convicted by it because that conviction is God's way of letting us know there's something we need to pray over and and work on to change to be more as God wants us to be. Amen. Amen. That that and that for me is especially when you okay, so I have this unique experience where ninety percent of this time it happens and um I will love uh, a sermon and I will love the scripture no matter what is being shared. And then I would go home and be like, totally convicted over it. Like, oh, well, yeah, like that somber kind of feeling, I guess, you know. So that that is that um, that is that bittersweet thing where it, it's like, oh, that was so awesome. But then the second it hits your stomach, you're like, oh, yeah, I've been doing that for a while, huh? Yeah, yeah, and I, I've definitely had the same thing, and I'm sure we've all been convicted when we hear a sermon for one reason or another. And, and that bittersweetness can can be hard to get over sometimes. So, yes, sir. Uh, if you're struggling with something like that, I really suggest talking to another believer or pastor about because getting some feedback on what is just uh, bitter because you don't like what it has to say about you or what is, you know, just maybe some misunderstanding, especially since it is written 2000 years ago. There's a lot of, lot of things that we don't quite pick up at first glance when we're reading the Bible. So there might be something behind it that feels wrong, but it may just be a misunderstanding on our part. So, uh, uh, I was, 
something. It was something else. Uh, we don't really get into the post-millennial, millennial, uh, post-trip, pre-trip. We we don't really get into those titles about eschatology as is typical of uh, eschatology study. Uh, I'm really more interested in what the Bible has to say. Uh, I think I may have said that Christians will be taken up to heaven in rapture before. I'm not 100% sure on that anymore. I think what it's more talking about is the people who died before tribulation began were taken up to heaven. Interesting so speculation. Yeah, I don't think it's quite like a rapture moment. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to dig into it some more. But I've, I've heard some more recent stuff and going back through earlier uh, scripture. I, I've heard some more that it sounds more like the rapture is talking about when Jesus comes and ends tribulation and begins uh, the so that would be uh, post trip not pre trip uh, I was leaning a little more pre trip when I began all this thinking that uh, anyone who's faithful at the time uh, gets a free pass into heaven but especially like when that scripture about the Olivet discourse that I shared earlier uh, it sounds like it doesn't matter if you're a believer, if you're alive during the, the beginning of the end, then you will have to, unless you die during it with your faith, you will have to uh, face the entirety of tribulation. So um, I just wanted to make that correction on the record. Uh, I do try to correct myself when I get too far off, so... Uh, oh, you're not you're not far off. You, you it's fair to be looking at modern era 2000 years after this well, just under 2000 years. Yeah. Um but uh it, it's fair to look at this time frame when these accounts of John of Patmos did you know, jot this all down and how it was translated to today what it means because you know aren't we look like we're in a futuristic society we can look at a lot of this and be like oh yeah that's completely possible today it might be around the corner um but in terms of like you having to correct yourself i would say you're pretty fair um just today you were like you were like what we don't know that it could be around the corner or it could be way past our generations we could all be um, if we're even alive, that's what you were saying. Yeah. If we're even alive by the next, um, by this happening. Mm -hmm. So one last thing is he's sent out to prophesy to all nations. And as, uh, you know, disciples of John, the revelator, as we, or I personally like to call myself, uh, we need to remember that we need to get this out to everyone, not just for the church. Everyone needs to hear that, you know, the end is nigh as, as, you know, in a not so like out on the street corner wearing a sign saying the end is nigh sort of way, but saying there is going to be an end and there is an end to your life. And wouldn't it be better to be on the winning side pretty much, you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be better to be in heaven than burning in hell as we will hear much more about? I, I believe the study of Revelation and then as we start uh, linking other chat, other books in the Bible back to Revelation, we will uh, definitely learn much more about hell than we will about heaven. So, <laughs> it, it's as we continue on with this and let the Spirit guide us in where He wants us to go. I believe this will definitely 
uh, teach us a lot about what to expect in the end. And even if we don't make it to the time of Revelation, we will know what to expect when we finally take that last breath and shed our mortal coils. So, anything you want to add, buddy? No, well said. I, you know, once again, God bless the audience. God bless you uh, for having me here. Um, usually at the end of the episode, we try to have something that is uh, more relating to, hey, if this is a trial or tribulation in your life, you need to seek God. Um, I'm not going to stress this as much as I normally do, but um, if you feel like there's something going on in your life or we spoke to you on a certain level that sounds resonating and familiar and positive or even challenging. Uh, I definitely recommend seeking out a local church, doing some research of the Bible yourself and see if not just if it is the resolution for you, but I want to give you the opportunity to say, if this is something that you want in your life, Definitely seek it out. It's a healthy, smart, spiritually optimal choice. Right, right. So, with that, I'd like to thank you for listening to the Revelation on Demand. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. And I'm still working on iTunes. I'm sorry about that. I, I really don't like iTunes. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. I will fix it eventually. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. It is a completely private venture. We receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, please feel free to contact us at revelationondemand at gmail.com. Or, if you want to talk more about what we were talking about in this, find us on Facebook or, again, email us. So, God bless and see you next time.